Well, amen. And it had been for Jesus. Oh, what a day. Such a long day. It, it started really the day before. And he has that last meal with his men. He shares the evening with them. He spends an evening teaching them. He leaves to pray with them. He goes to the garden there. He is betrayed. He is taken all through the night. He is tried in Jewish and Roman trials into the early hours of the morning. He's scourged. He's carried his cross to Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull. And there he is crucified. He hangs there throughout the day. And it's late in the afternoon and the day is almost over. God the Son realizes that these days of earthly ministry are nearly done. The darkness from noon to three in the afternoon has come to the, its end, it's lifted, and sunset would be very soon, and it is almost time. But yet, in these few moments, there is still much to be done. And would you turn with me to your to the book of John, John chapter 19. And listen to the words of Jesus, John chapter 19 again, where he is on the cross. John chapter 19, you'll want to find verse 28, and we will read through verse 30 together. And the Bible says this, John chapter 19, verse 28, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar to put, a, put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. In this portion of Scripture, when we hear Jesus with some of those very last words, we see Jesus... In the propriety to his duty, we read in our Bible after this, Jesus knowing that all things were accomplished. Uh, After what? Earlier, just in the verses before, we see Jesus that he sees to his, the care of his mother. You read about it, John chapter 19, verse 26 Verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, this is John, behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. 
He had fulfilled the care of his mother. As the oldest son, his mother being a widow lady, his father is not in the gospel record. We can only presume that without a father there that he is the oldest, or the, his father, had Joseph, had passed and he was taking care of his mother. And he gives the care to John. And even on the cross, I imagine Jesus with the, the relief that he had filled out or fulfilled an obligation. Do you know that relief that when you know there's something that's an obligation, something you have to do, the sense of relief when you finally get it done? And I would imagine Jesus, even on the cross, knowing that he had fulfilled his obligation and taking care of his mother, went on. There is the three hours of darkness. And in the three hours of darkness, in fulfillment of the... 22nd Psalm, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The darkness has lifted. Now everything's in order. And finally, it's time to die. We hear the words of our Lord come from the cross, I thirst! As we hear him cry out, we hear the proclamation of his desire with all that his body had been through and this physiological trauma, the lacerations from the scourging, the crown of thorns, the bones out of joint, the punctures of the spear, the punctures of the hands and the feet nailed to the cross. With all that he had been through, his body was now just a swollen, bloody pulp the prophet Isaiah reminds us that his visage was so marred that you, if you did not know it was him, you wouldn't have recognized him. And the fluids flood to the traumatized portions of his body, which really for him were head to toe. So that with all that is going on and with all the fluid rushing to this body, he cries out after this long ordeal hanging on a cross for his thirst. And we hear him, I thirst. And as we hear this proclamation and we picture him on the cross and we imagine what he must have sounded like, we are reminded of his humanity. He is God. But hanging there and you see him and the cruelty of it. And you realize that yes, while he is God, he is still a man. Though he suffered greatly, his humanity in no way did diminish his deity. He was still fully God as well as fully man. You know, as a man, Jesus grew tired. As a man, Jesus slept. As a man, Jesus wept. But as God, he calmed the storm. As God, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And when we look at him on this cry from the cross, maybe we see as much as we have ever seen 
what John meant when he said the Word became flesh. For on that cross you see His bloody and swollen flesh as you've never seen it before. I thirst. And when we look at Him on the cross... We reflect on his humanity and it's a strange thing when we hear him cry out, I thirst, because uh, he is the giver of the water of life, yet he died thirsty. I am the water of life, he that cometh to me shall never thirst. Yet, in the last moments of his life, he cries out in thirst. We think about him and we realize that he began his ministry hungry, having fasted for 40 days, consecrating himself to the ministry that God had given him, God the Father, he is God the Son. It is after these 40 days that he is tempted by our enemy. And he begins his ministry hungry and he ends his earthly ministry thirsty. He is truly the God-man. Knowing our experience as men and yet still fully God, we read about this in the book of Philippians chapter 2 when the author, the Apostle Paul is the human author, says these words. I'll turn there in my Bible. Philippians chapter 2, we we read... Of Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And from that cross he cries, I thirst. The Savior of the world in humility dies an all too human death. So we hear him and we realize the propriety to his duty even on this cross. We hear the proclamation of his desire, I thirst. But there is something else that God tells us about in this portion of Scripture that Jesus had on his mind. He reminds us of the prophecy of his demise. So you read in your Bible again, in John chapter 19, that after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. This is a reference to Psalm 69. I'm going to encourage you to go there in your Bible. Psalm chapter 69, the 69th Psalm, rather. Psalm chapter, or Psalm 69. When you read Psalm 69, you want to find, or get there, you want to find verse 29, or verse 20, rather, and then verse 21. When the psalmist writes, reproach hath broken my heart. 
and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. When you read Psalm 69 as an expression of David in a time in his life that was agonizing, it is a beautiful and powerful psalm. It will speak to your heart in wonderful ways because all of us, though our situation may not be exactly like David's, all of us know what it is to go through agonizing situations in life, right? And as David shares his experience going through agony and how God worked with him and met with him through it, when we read this psalm, we too share that experience. When you read it, though, you really don't think of it in, as referring to Messiah. There are some scriptures you read, and they are clearly referring to Messiah. Sometimes the Bible identifies them as messianic scriptures that look forward to Jesus. And this one, when you read it, you really would not know that this is a scripture that is messianic until Jesus on the cross cries out, I thirst. And John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, this is a scripture that Jesus knew had to be fulfilled before he could die. So when Jesus then quotes this psalm, it is an expression of Davidic experience, but this is a foreshadowing of Jesus' experience on the cross. And sometime read 60, Psalm 69 and read it thinking of Jesus on the cross and you will find it moving to imagine this is what Jesus was experiencing. And so we are told That Jesus, verse 21, they gave me gall for my meat. Gall is a bitter plant. It's um, actually poisonous. If you had enough of it, it would kill you. It was also used to deaden pain. And the psalmist said that Jesus and his crucifixion would have gall. At the beginning or the commencement of the crucifixion, we are told that Jesus was given something to drink. You might want to write this reference down. We won't turn to it, but Matthew chapter 27, verse 34. At the very beginning of the crucifixion, Jesus was offered vinegar and gall. And he, uh, it's put to his mouth, and when he uh, tasted it, he refused it. Because the gall would be used to deaden the pain. And Jesus did not want to deaden the pain. But that gall having touched his lips and his tongue fulfilled the scripture that he would have gall. Mark records the same event. And Mark describes, this is Mark chapter 15, verse 23, a very specific type of gall. Gall would be a very general term, but we are told the specific gall, gall, and that is, it was myrrh. When the gifts were given to the baby Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, a picture that he would one day die. 
So the psalmist tells about the giving of this vinegar and gall at the commencement of the crucifixion. And now, tonight we read of the conclusion of the crucifixion. Now another drink is provided. When we read about it, it was vinegar. This is a different term for vinegar. This is um, a term that describes a a watered-down mixture. And just as the psalmist said in Psalm 69, verse 20. Uh, 21, they gave me also gall for my drink, and in my thirst they gave me, gave me vinegar to drink. As these soldiers take hyssop, it's a plant, and they, would, they put this sponge filled with vinegar, and they lift it to Jesus up on the cross, and they put it in his mouth, and he drinks this water and vinegar mixture. This was no random act. This was pre-planned by God thousands of years before. Or hundreds of years before. So that in every detail, even in the quenching of his thirst, God fulfilled his own word. Now we come to this table. I say this table, but there isn't much of a table before us. We come to this, uh, this cup. <laughs> and as we come to this cup, we think of our participation in this ordinance. We use the term ordinance. It is not a sacrament. An ordinance means that this is ordained as a symbol of remembrance. A sacrament would indicate that this is ordered as a means of our salvation. This is only symbolic. But when we think about this tonight, and the wonder of our Savior, the severity of, of His sacrifice as we've pictured Him there, thirsty, He's bleeding, soon to die. And it brings us to the worship of our Savior. Certainly, this is a remembrance of our Lord, as he said, this do in remembrance of me. But from this time tonight, this for us should be a renewal to the Lord. So we say, Lord Jesus, You gave your all for us. And when we come to this remembrance, we again say, Lord Jesus, we give our all to you. Shall we pray as we come to take this cup? So, Lord God, it is with expectation and gratitude that we come And we ask, O Lord Jesus, that as we respond to you, who you've given all to us, that this would be for us an act of worship, far beyond taking a cup and bread. This would be a remembrance and a renewal of our lives given to you. And so we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Let me explain our practice here at the Lord's Table at Stanley Heights Baptist Church. Um, we practice what we call uh, close communion. Uh, some churches practice um, closed communion. That is, you have to be a member of that particular body to participate with them in the Lord's Table. And that is every church's decision. That's not how we do it. Um, but we practice what we call close, and that is if you are born again, you, are, you know that you're saved, and then you, between you and the Lord, are in fellowship with God, then you are welcome to share these times, this time with us. All right? Now, in a moment, we'll sing a song that will prepare us, and then we will enter our time together around the Lord's Supper tonight. Um, but in a moment we'll stand, we'll sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. And if you would prefer to slip out, you are welcome to do so, understand. On the other hand, if you would, as a guest would like to stay, then you are welcome to stay and to participate with us in the Lord's table. All right, let's sing together, Just As I Am, just one verse. You've been seated for a while, would you stand with me? And let's sing just one verse, just, or uh, not just, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, excuse me. Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. I am the clay, mold me and make me after thy will, while I am yielded and still. Thank you. Please be seated. We will take a moment and then give you a time to examine yourself in this final preparation before the Lord. So after a few moments of silence, then I will lead us in prayer and we will partake of the Lord's Supper. Well, Lord Jesus, there is the sweetness that we experience when we are in fellowship with you. There's no, there is nothing else like the pleasure of being at your right hand in the fullness of joy and what it means to us to be in fellowship with you and to experience the blessing of walking in this close communion with you. We've come tonight to worship. We have come to receive from you, and we have come to this table to, again, remember what you have done. We've come to anticipate that you will come again. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that you would be pleased as we come before you at this cup. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together as we usually do when we partake of the Lord's table. We're going to sing and follow along the verses and the words will be projected for you. Let's first sing, Lead Me to Calvary. 
King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget love for me, lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for Thee, even Thy cup of grief to share, Thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Thine agony, Lest I forget love for me, lead me to Calvary. Next we'll sing, Calvary covers it all. Far dearer than all than the world can impart was the message that came to my heart. Calvary covers it all. Far dearer than all that the world can impart was the message that came to my heart. How that Jesus alone for my sin did atone and Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and shame, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there, and Calvary, oh, how matchless the grace when I looked on the face of Jesus, my crucified Lord, my redemption found at His feet, and Calvary covers it all, Calvary covers it all, my past My guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there, and Calvary covers it all. Now we're going to sing, um, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die. It's the songs at the cross, and let's sing a verse or so of that together. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote such for such as worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received. Happy all the day. 
The next verse that we'll sing reminds us of not just what the Lord did, but it reminds us of our desire to love him who first loved us. Let's sing that last verse, but drops of grief can ne'er repay. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now... And then we'll sing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Let's sing that together. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, the Scripture says, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Before we take the cup, let's sing together. I know whom I have believed. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known or why Christ redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed. Let's sing together. I know whom I have believed. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know and am persuaded that he is able to meet that which I've committed. Jesus, uh, Jesus said that we, as we celebrate this Lord's Supper, that we will do so and look forward to his coming, to do so until he comes. The last verse of this song will take us to the second coming and prepares us to meet the Lord in the air. I know not when my Lord may come. Let's sing that together. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor nor meet him in the air. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able 
to keep that which I've committed unto him day. And we'll sing a few verses of how great thou art. My God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands hath made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation to take me home, fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee How great thou art, how great thou art. And then we'll sing one more chorus. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy the lamb that was slain worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wisdoms and wisdom and strength honor and glory and blessing worthy the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. 
Lamb. The scriptures tell us, and after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And then we're told, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let's stand together and sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Twas blind, but now. When we've been there 10,000 years, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise. We first begun. And all God's people said, God's blessings as you go into the mission field this week.